my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Dave Jans. How are you, Dave? I'm doing good, Brian. Happy to be here. Oh, man, it's uh, it's uh, very, very great. It's great to see you. Um, Dave, uh, like many of my guests, is one of my favorite students when he was here at Cal Poly, and um, we, we, we formed a, a connection and a bond, and it's just... Uh, it's just always great to see former students doing so well, and he's now uh, risen through the ranks and is a director of a Parks and Recreation um, uh, Department. He is the Parks and Recreation Director for the City of Helena, and uh, we'll get to talk more uh, get to talk more about that as we as we go along. He's also a 2009 graduate of our program, so welcome, Dave. Really appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks, Dr. Greenwood. When you, you say 2009, that definitely uh, makes me start to feel old. When I started counting the years, I feel like I just just wrapped up there at Cal Poly, but it's been some time now. I hear you. You know, I I'm uh, I stay pretty well connected with my call co- with a lot of college buddies, and um, I kind of feel the same way. And then I, I I see them all, and I see all the gray that uh, that we all have going in our beards and in our hair, and where I'm like, oh, whoa, uh, <laughs> we are we are getting up there. But you're you are still young and uh, and and doing well. And I just I love I love seeing that you've um, that you ventured out into the parks and recreation space and found some success there. And um, you know, with it being uh, our roots, so to speak, right? Uh, that that community municipal recreation is is so core at our, um, uh, you know, at the at the core of what what we were when we first started and what we remain. And so, I think it's so important to to bring um, bring professionals like you on to talk about that. Um, let's let's go back in time a little bit though, and and uh, where where are you from originally, Dave? Remind me. Yeah, so I was I was born in Texas, which I like to remind my friends all the time. I was born in Houston, Texas, but I, I only lived there well till I was two. So while I claim to be a a Texan through and through, you know, I only had two years under my belt, so no uh, no twang to my my accent or anything like that. But yeah, so born in Texas. Wear, you, do you still wear belt buckles? Is that how you show people you got a real big belt buckle that uh, yeah. <laughs> Right. You know, I think the belt buckle's gotten smaller over the years as I've transitioned. No, no. So I, I had family back there would visit time and time again, but but really grew up in uh, Northern California. I grew up in San Jose. So I was up in uh, San Francisco Bay Area for most of my most of my childhood. Gotcha. Gotcha. What was it like growing up there in San Jose? Were you in the, you in the city part or were you in one of the, the smaller like bedroom towns? What was yeah, we were definitely in, in suburbia. We, I was down in South San Jose area. You know, San Jose is huge. It's a million people. So there's just tons of, of communities within communities there. And so I lived, you know, very much in, in suburbia. But it was it was good growing up. You know, I had had a good family structure, good core structure, good group of fen- friends there. Uh, kind of did your traditional things within lots of youth sports. Of course. Uh, did the whole scouting thing, was in Boy Scouts, a lot of outdoorsy stuff. But yeah, pretty pretty normal, uh, solid childhood. Nice, nice. What about your folks? What, 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 did, what did they do when you were growing up? Yeah, so that's part of the path of how I ended up there. My dad worked for, uh, worked for NASA for years, so he was... Oh. always joke that, you know, my dad was a rocket scientist, but he, he he was in a sense, he was in the sciences side of things. So he has his PhD in botany and then helped design a lot of the experiments that would go on in the space shuttle. So he started in, in Texas and that's how we transferred out from, from Houston to the Bay area. So he worked right there in 
in Mountain View, Mountain View for the bulk of uh, bulk of his career. Wow. And my uh, my mom, she was uh, she was in education, so she had her teaching credential. Ended up being a school librarian for years. Kind of floated wow. back and forth between a librarian and stay at home mom for a few years, and then finally ended up working for the the school district. So both of them very much in in academia for for a long period of time. I love it. That's awesome. I um I have the the utmost respect for librarians. I don't know. It's it just feels like it feels like we should be pushing librarians up to the very top of the of the status uh of the status pole if you will, right? I mean, I just I don't know. For me, I don't know. So when someone says that they were a librarian, it just warms my soul, right? I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I loved it. I spent a lot of time in libraries as a kid and still, you know, diving deep into the library world here, but learned the learned the Dewey Decimal System very early <laughs> on in my my childhood and still carry that with me till today. So I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I forget which comedian, but I, I heard a comedian um uh or maybe it was a maybe it was a twitter account or something about uh the you know the the dewey decimal and the little it's like we had uh like the your grandmother's recipe cards you know right. yeah we designed a system very similar to your grandmother's recipe cards where you pulled out a drawer and <laughs> but somehow it worked right <laughs> and it's funny it's how it's transitioned over the years i grew up you know maybe it's because my mom was a librarian but you know this this fear of god you got to get your library books back on time or else you're going to have these have oh, these yeah. fines i think there's a seinfeld episode about that but now you know you've got all this leeway with it but you know when i was young i'd make sure you get your books back oh yeah and if you didn't that was yeah um that, that, there was a there was going to be something to pay if you did not get them back that's for sure right i think it was maybe growing up too in the blockbuster era right where they are uh, where the the fines got progressively uh progressively worse you probably weren't in the blockbuster era do you remember oh, I, blockbuster I, I still had blockbuster you know I, I was sad to see it go but i remember you had to get it back on time but you also had to make sure your tape was rewound too you had to make or else oh. you get the extra fine if you didn't rewind it so. oh that's right i i distinctly remember in college we had a friend who like never returned his blockbuster stuff and like he he, he couldn't go like we'd have to go and rent things for him because if he went they were like you. Well, you owe like twelve thousand dollars, right? So you can't. <laughs> you can't. Right. He was really happy when they went out of business. <laughs> well, I hope I didn't lose our younger audience here. I think I've referenced being a two thousand nine graduate, the Dewey Decimal System, and rewinding Blockbuster tapes for the first five minutes. So stick with us. <laughs> stick with us, young kids. We. Uh, uh, <laughs> so so we'll we'll move out of the OK Boomer stage. Uh, and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How how about siblings, Dave? You have any siblings? I do. I have one uh, one older brother. He's four years older. His name's Chris. He actually went to Cal Poly as well. So right you may hear this throughout. The, you know, I ended up following in his footsteps, whether that was intentional or not, just kind of mm -hmm. along the way. So yeah, he went to Cal Poly. He was uh, ended up in wine and viticulture as his major, and so worked for a oh, few wow. different wineries down in the the Paso Robles area for for a few years. Then he ended up moving up near where I live now in Santa Rosa. And so he's been working for Jackson Family Wines for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so and just nice. heavily embedded in, in wine country up here. That's a great connection to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, never, never bad wine at our family gatherings. So. That's right. Older brother hooking you up. I love that. So you, you talked a little bit about your growing up. You were into youth sports and 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 did the scouting and, and all of that. Um, do you remember 
um, you, you know, whether it was like a, a Halloween costume or, uh, or or what? Do you remember a, a dream? Did you have a dream job? I mean, you had a dad who was working for NASA. Um, so I, I'm wondering, were, were, did you envision being an astronaut or a, a scientist or what? What did you envision yourself becoming when you were younger? I didn't have that path, which you know I was always interested in the sciences. But it's funny you ask this question because I was just doing the old uh, cleaning out the garage, going through old boxes, and I stumbled across a, a book I put together. It must have been in second, third, fourth grade, somewhere, somewhere in there. And it's you know what I want to be when I grow up. Uh-huh. And, uh, and in there, it was it was a trip down memory lane. But I had in there listed I was either going to be a professional athlete, and I think I had myself listed as a, an NBA player, which if you know anything wow. about my height, I don't think that would have uh, panned out too well unless I was following the footsteps of uh, Muggsy Bogues there, but <laughs> professional athlete or a photographer, which, you know, wow. neither of those panned out, but still both those are very, you know, big interests of mine as I've, I've progressed through the years. But Good hobbies to have, right? Yeah, and uh, uh, our listeners can't see it, but uh, uh, Dave has a, a great... Uh, natural landscape behind him that i imagine you took that picture i'm sure right yeah that's actually yeah that's a picture from from yosemite behind me so i try to keep that when i'm stuck in the office too long a little piece of you know serenity to look out and and remember what it's like to be on the outdoors because i love it yeah i love it and i i looked at it i thought i thought that was yosemite behind you yeah that's great that's great all right. Well, we've added Muggsy Bogues to the list. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I was going to say John Stockton, and you pulled out Muggsy Bogues like that. That's even going back uh, a little bit further. I, lo- I love that. <laughs> I love that. So let's talk about that path to Cal Poly. You know, you, you've already told us that you had an older brother. Um, what about dad as a as a NASA? What was it? Was their Cal Poly connection with your dad too, or none there. He actually, you know, my parents grew up in Texas. That's where they're from. Oh, that's right. You said that. Okay. To to Texas tech and he got his PhD in uh, Miami and Ohio, not the, not Miami, Florida. So that's where, so no connection there, but yeah, my first introduction to Cal Poly was actually a good friend of mine in high school. His sister went to Cal Poly, played lacrosse on Mm -hmm. the national championship lacrosse team. So we came down a few times when we were in high school to visit with her and you know, it wasn't really an aspiration at that point, but got to know the area and it was, you know, right. beautiful and obviously a lot to to get excited for. Um, when I was, I ended up right after high school, I went to junior college uh, right out of the bat in the, in the Bay Area here. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, like lots of 17, 18, 19 year olds and yep. started down a path and kind of on a whim landed up uh, being interested in kinesiology. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to stay in the sports realm. I had this these aspirations that I was going to be a sports trainer. So essentially, mm-hmm. you know, if there's an injury on the field, I'm going to be the one that goes out mm-hmm. and responds to it. So I ended up in the kinesiology field. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, was looking at different schools. Cal Poly was on the list. I think I applied to, to Cal Poly. Long Beach has a really great kinesiology program. I think I'd applied to Chico, San Diego State, a whole slew of them. And I'd gotten some acceptances, some no's, hadn't heard anything from Cal Poly. And I pretty much made up my mind. I, I guess I'm going to, to Long Beach. I'd gotten an acceptance there. And then right. then kind of at the 11th hour, got a, got the acceptance letter to, to Cal Poly. And so I transferred down there a few years after, after junior college as a kinesiology major. And that's how I, I got started there. Right on. So when you, so when you transferred into, um, you didn't transfer right into our major. You, uh, you were, so you were a transfer student and then a change of major. That's a, 
that's a big one to 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 um uh, to do. So uh we're we're very thankful you uh you landed here eventually. Did you get to tell us about that process? Like once you got here to Cal Poly, what what um what was the the realization that you came to? Um did was it was it the science thing? What what was it? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, early on in, in, in any major, but, you know, especially in the sciences of like kinesiology, you do a lot of the background work. So I was taking these, you know, anatomy and physiology classes, and I'd always been fairly good at, at memorizing and was interested in the sciences. So I really took to that. And then I mentioned I wanted to be an athletic trainer. And I remember when I got to Cal Poly, we were taking a class and it was really starting to be, it was, a, it was specific to, to training and medical response. So we're sitting there and I remember being in the back of the classroom and they're they're showing us videos of sports injuries and then how you respond to them. And I'm looking around and everyone in the class is leaning forward at the injury. And every time I'd see a, I don't know, a broken ankle or some injury, I'm in the back kind of getting squeamish and, yeah. and hiding my eyes. And there's that moment, like maybe this isn't the, uh, maybe this isn't where I should be. So even within that major, I started looking at other options in kinesiology and was going down the path of physical therapy. But while that was happening, I had two, two good friends of mine who you may remember from uh, from our time, Colin James and Steve Rubin. Shout out to Colin and Steve, my, my two good buddies there. Um, they were in, they were in the recreation major and actually they were my roommates. And so I'm coming home doing this stuff in the science and I'm hearing about all the things they're doing in class and all these experiences. I didn't know recreation was a major. I didn't know that was other than what they had told me I didn't know this was a potential career path. And as the more they're talking, I'm thinking that's where I need to be. You know, I, I still had an interest in being in sports and sports management, potentially in the outdoors. And they were getting all these hands-on experiences. So I said, you know, that's something I'm interested. As you know, at Cal Poly, they don't make transferring or switching majors the easiest of things to do. They want to make sure you're committed to it. So I was taking kinesiology classes at the same time as I was taking a few uh, recreation classes and I took rec 101 and just fell in love with it and decided that's that's I'm going to make this transition I'm going to make it official and go in that direction right on do you remember who your uh, professor was for 101 you know I was scrolling through that and I remember all the professors well I I it was either you or it could have been Dr. Jacobs and I can't remember which one which one had it that year yeah, I, I, I don't, I, you know, obviously off the top of my head, I can't say whether it was sure, 2000, sure. whether I taught it in 2009, and we kind of all went back and forth and whatnot, because I did ask you about, you know, with um, one of the things a lot of our listeners will will remember is that we we had this longstanding relationship with the California Park and Recreation Society, um, District Eight, right, and their their fall conference, and um. We don't take students to that anymore because they kind of changed the model and moved it a little bit farther away. It used to be a, a more local thing where we could take a lot of students, and that was a way of of kind of plugging people into that um, that city parks and recreation men, um, uh, space. But um, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the shout outs to Colin and Steve. I hope they're doing well. I hope they get a chance to listen here. I hope at some point I get to talk to them as well. But um, Let's talk about your experience at Cal Poly, right? So we 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 touched on it a little bit, but let, let's um let's let's dig a little deeper. Is there a um is, is there a memory that really stands out when you when you look back and you think about, you know what, when I'm 85 years old, I'm going to look back and I'm going to be like, man, those were the days. That was the time that 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 I'll never forget. Is there is there a moment like that? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of them, you know, it, and and as much as I, you know, I know we're focusing on our industry as much as I'd love to say it was all the the classes, you know, no, a lot of it no, is no, that, that general, <laughs> that social aspect, right? It was the connections and the networking that happened in college. I made some of, made or either strengthened some of my lifelong friendships with people that I have, met a ton mm-hmm. of other people. And, you know, that networking can, continues to this day. I mean, still anyone I run into, there's that bond of, you know, if you've gone to Cal Poly, you run across someone else who's who's gone to Cal Poly and you, you immediately start reminiscing of, you know, your favorite places to eat or when you'd sneak out to the beach or go hiking, you know, one of the beauties of that area is just all the different things that you could do in any given day. So certainly the overall experiences, but, you know, two, two memories that pop up, especially as this related to, to our major and what we were working on, um, you know, loved all the classes, um, but two that stand out, you know, there was a class that we did and it was a, it was specific to therapeutic recreation, I think, or at least there was a, a module about therapeutic recreation. I remember one of the things we had to go and do is go out and get hands-on experience and do some volunteer work um, with individuals with, with disabilities, with special needs. Yeah. And I remember, you know, kind of sheepishly, I was I was terrified of that. I had never worked with individuals with disabilities. And I didn't want to do anything that was going to screw things up or I was I was very nervous about it. Yeah. I remember going out and we were going to go play golf with this group of individuals that was part of the Special Olympics committee. And we were going out to play golf. And I remember kind of getting myself amped up to go out there. You know, we're going to do a good job. We're going to help these. Individuals. And I got out there and it was just it was just the greatest experience because there's these I'm terrible at golf, by the way. I think that helps <laughs> helps tell the story a little bit as I got out there and you know, I'm I'm there supposed to be helping these individuals, at least in my mind. They're right. giving me golfing tips all day long, you know, helping <laughs> me with my swing. And it was just built this camaraderie and that led to us being, you know, I continued to do volunteer hours with with Special Olympics. We helped organize some bocce ball committees and uh doing baseball and softball, and it really just was a springboard for this volunteerism working with this organization. And I remember that, that vividly and some of the connections I made there. I love um, and the second one is definitely a, uh, a, a an enjoyable one is my senior year. And this was uh, one of Dr. Jacobs class. It was a, a tourism specific program. And uh-huh. we got to decide where we wanted to go for spring break. And we were going to go as a class somewhere on spring break and learn all about it. And we ended up going on a cruise uh, to Mexico. And so we focused on cruise tourism and it was a lot of fun from the, obviously the social aspect of it, but we really got to see the, you know, the behind the scenes of what it was like to work on a cruise ship. Um, and so it was just a group of I don't know, 20 to 30 of us, RPTA students going on a cruise to Mexico, having fun, but also learning at the same time. That one will definitely live on as, as one of my favorite memories. Yeah, I love that. And for our listeners who are not familiar, um, uh, those who are who are more um, Dave's era w- will obviously remember it. And um, but uh, d- yeah, Dr. Jacobs used to teach a, an adventure tourism class, and they um, I believe it was either the fall or the winter where you where they planned, like Dave said, they planned their um, the. Well, they didn't plan that specific one for the next spring because you have to plan way farther in advance, right? Wasn't it for the following? spring break is that how it worked do you remember i remember it was yeah i think it was i think it was a winter program but i remember it came together fairly quickly fairly quickly maybe it was for that very one yeah Yeah, but it it was uh it it was a it was some sort of boondoggle that uh dr jacobs had uh had arranged with uh that we would never in a million years be able to get back like once he left they were like, uh, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> and I remember just being amazed for like years and years and years. Like, 
I don't know how he's pulling this off, right? And uh, we have since tried to bring similar type things back and they're like, nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't do that. <laughs> so it's like, we need to invite Dr. Jacobs back to figure out what type of magic he had. <laughs> yeah, you know, I look back on it and, and you know, it was we we certainly had our fun on that trip. And I think, you know, he had all the patience in the world to, to deal with 20, 30 college students. It's almost like taking the... Uh, taking everyone on the eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C. or something like that, trying to wrangle 30 college students on a on a Mexican cruise. You know, all the all the respect in the world to Dr. Jacobs. So, yes, for sure, for sure. Well, let's talk about moving out of Cal Poly and into that um, into that working world. And, um, you know, we like to pride ourselves on on the fact that we we try to do a better job and we feel like we do a better job than most universities in terms of, of preparing you to like step out and into the working world. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard the, uh, one of our, our recent slogans is ready day one. You know, that's the, that's the thing that learn by doing prepares you to be ready day one. And so I wonder if you can talk about uh, that process of finding an internship what that was like, what you did, and um, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I remember remember early on once I got into the the recreation major, that was preached early on. This is a learn by doing experience, right? We're gonna get you out in the field. And you know, we knew this internship was coming. So it'd always been in the back of my mind for the years leading up to it. But then yeah, leading into senior year, you start really thinking about it. And I had honed in on one that I was really excited about. I shared earlier, I grew up in San Jose. I was a huge San Jose Sharks fan growing up and there was an internship opportunity available at the the local arena SAP center where the sharks sharks played and i i was interviewing for an internship there and it wasn't working for the sharks but it was actually doing events for for SAP and i said this is this is what i'm going to do this is going to be my springboard into professional sports i'm going to get this and then i'm going to go work for the sharks and everything is set right next thing i got down to the driving the zamboni Right. I was going to be out there. I was going to be with the <laughs> players. You know, this is, you know, maybe I'm going to be in that professional sports realm. And yep. I, I was interviewing it, got down to the final two, and I ended up not getting the, the internship. And I was crushed. I was, you know, this is derailing all of my, my future career path, this and that, you know, and in hindsight, you know, I think it was a bit of a blessing because it wasn't the internship that I thought it was going to be. It was going to be working at the arena, but doing the logistics, which would have been a fantastic experience. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't that professional sports that I was looking for. So either way, I had to start looking in a different direction. And I had a connection um, to a local Parks and Rec agency here in the Bay Area in Palo Alto. A friend of mine's dad was the Parks and Rec director. And he connected me with an agency and said, hey, we've got this great thing coming up. The, the Senior National Games is going to be hosting their annual competition at, at Stanford University. And they're looking for a few interns. Didn't know much about what that meant, what the senior national games were, but I said, okay, we'll give it a shot. I went to the interview, felt it out. We did the interview. I got offered the position um, and jumped right in. And so what the senior national games is essentially it's, it's the Olympics for individuals that are 55 and up. And it's, it's a big deal. There's 10,000 athletes, over 20,000 people come to essentially they come in, take over Stanford university for, for two weeks and they do Olympic style competition. So you've got everything from, from javelin to the high dive to track and field to tennis, it's it's the full gamut of, of summer yard, Olympic yeah. sports, but for individuals that are 55 and over. 
-hmm. And so my internship was to be the, it was a new position, the sports information officer. And so essentially to be a clearinghouse. So when athletes or visitors arrive, they know, okay, here's where I'm competing. Here's my schedule. Here's the results. Essentially create this clearinghouse desk as people come into the event. And it was, it was an incredible experience. It was a ton of work. It was my first experience with yeah. implementing a, a major special event, working with volunteers, really working in a full-time capacity and more so, you know, we're an unpaid intern. So we got, right. we worked, we worked a ton, but yeah, that was, that really opened. That was the first door that opened for me in a line of doors to move me forward in my career. I love it. What a great example. And, you know, I, I always, uh, I always laugh because I, 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 I think I maybe thought 20 years ago when I would tell people that I was sport management, right. Or that I was tell people that I'm recreation parks and tourism management, or, you know, now experience industry management. Right. Um, I, I'd always get a look of what, what is that? Right. And and so when when we were when we were first uh, going down this path of experience industry management, people were like, "Well, no, people won't know what that is." And I'm like, "Well, it doesn't matter whether they know whether it is or not." I'm like, "I've been a sport management professor for 20 years, and people still have no earthly idea that that exists." Right. And when people say, "What is that?" I I have to keep a poker face. Cause I want to look at them and go, what do you mean? What is that? Like, do you, have you never heard of sport? Do you know that? Like, like, you know, you, you know, they're like, was that a coach? You're like, no, like someone has to manage these environments. And so I love that example. The senior games is a fabulous example because most people out there in the world don't know that senior games exist, but yet, like you just said, there's like thousands and thousands of participants and like someone has to manage all of that. And um, and so what a what a fabulous example. Well, let's talk about, you know, we like to see that internship as a springboard um, to, to something else. And so, um, you know, obviously I have your I have your um, your timeline in, in front of me. So I know that it that it was a springboard. Right. Because uh, senior games was taking place there at Stanford. And then somehow you ended up working for a year as an event manager at Stanford. Did that uh, come about because of that opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly it. That's that door that opened. As I was working there, our team as the, the local organizing committee of the games, we worked really closely with the athletic department of, of Stanford. So worked with their group of event managers and operation managers to access the facilities, make sure everything was set up, ready to go. And so at the end of that, you know, I, I made a close connection with their their operations manager um, talked to her for a while. She shared, you know, they they had positions opening up there, and so it really was. As soon as that ended, I jumped right into to working at Stanford. It was an exciting time to be there. It was when uh, back in that time is when Jim Harbaugh was the coach of Stanford. Andrew Luck was the quarterback. Toby Gerhardt, you know, and, and Stanford was kind of at the you know women's basketball was national champions. Volleyball was always in the running for it. So uh -huh. very exciting time to be at Stanford. That um, I, I bet. What was your what would your big takeaway from from being an event manager there at Stanford? Yeah, it, it was it was like you said, it was a really even clearer picture of what all actually goes into what sports management is. You know, everyone that comes as a spectator or as an athlete or as a coach, 
you know, they walk into an arena that's ready to go, you know, a few minutes before tip off or kickoff, what yeah. have you, and just see okay. see the product on the field. Magically appears. <laughs> the work behind the scenes. And, you know, we we were in charge, you know, event manager was a, you know, it's a fancy title. We did a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting of equipment, a lot of setup, a lot of long nights, things like that. But I loved it. It was just, yeah, it was a lot of work. And the one, one example is just, gymnastics they're very big competitive gymnastics program at stanford university and uh they would practice in one facility but when they had competitions they would take place in their their main gym maple pavilion where basketball and volleyball happen so we'd have to take the entire you know what you see on tv the entire uh gymnastics setup only had to move it about probably I don't know, 500 yards, but that equipment is so heavy that we, we have to bring in a moving truck to move it just over to this one area and take, you know, yeah. six, seven hours to get that set up. So it's kind of that, that really the, how the sausage is made behind the scenes in look at, at sports management. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's kind of funny as I'm reflecting on what I just said and, and, and then what you just said, um, maybe the fact that people don't understand what sport management is, maybe that's a testament to how good the folks, uh, how good we we are, all are at, at what we do, right? And right. when I say we, I'm not really. <laughs> that's not really me. But uh, because if, if there's, if if you just turn on your TV and you think it just magically appears, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> Job well done, exactly. Yeah, yeah we try. Everything's always messy getting ready, and even during the event, but we try to keep that so that the the user experience is that it's smooth sailing. Exactly, exactly. So now let's talk about that trans transition into municipal recreation because the rest of your career has been in um, parks and recreation departments. And so um, I, I really, I, I obviously, I mean, I, I, we could go, you know, from Burlingame to, to Cupertino to Healdsburg to, to, to then St. Helena. And, and, um, and we will touch on some of those, um, some of those stops, but I wonder if you can just reflect uh, Dave on um the process that you went through, right? Like, you know, um, we talk about, particularly in sport management, we talk about like the sexy positions, right? The Stanfords and the, the sharks and the, um, and the giants and, and, and Niners and, and all of those, um, positions in professional and intercollegiate athletics. Right. Um, and, Many people have really great careers in those in in that space. Ab- absolutely, um, but one of the ones that 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 is is often unheralded, right, is those parks and recreation departments that are in every community um, nationwide. And so, I wonder what the, the can you can you walk us through the thought process or or the the arc that you've had in terms of your thinking along those lines. Yeah, and you hit it right. I mean, when I when I was in college, when I left college, even when I was doing my internship, I didn't have this intention. You know, it's not like municipal recreation was my 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 goal, right? As you mentioned, it, yeah, I was thinking, you know, stuffy government, nine to five, clock in, clock out. You know, that that just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted more more excitement. I didn't want to work in a cubicle. I liked being in the field. You like like doing things like I was at Stanford where it's odd hours, but you know, you you have this this big event at the end of it. Yeah. Um, but the whole time that I was, you know, working at Stanford in college, I was also I spent a lot of time working for parks and recreation departments. I'd been a, a lifeguard, I've been a summer camp counselor, an after school uh leader for for years, ever since I was, you know, 14, 15 years old. I'd always done that. And at that time it was mainly a 
you know, a part-time job to make some income and something that I enjoyed. Right. But I continued to do it. And, you know, I, I started to to get introduced to those that were in municipal recreation. So recreation coordinators and supervisors got to experience what they're doing. And what I I came to the realization of while I was at Stanford, I was also working at a, a part-time teen center in Cupertino and, and Burlingame, like you referenced, and started to see that, you know, the parks and recreation or community services side of thing is it's different than other areas of city government. It's not as stuffy. We get to be a little bit of the the black sheep, if you will, of, of city government. It's not like being in finance. No offense to those that are in finance. Love all my colleagues in, in finance department. I started to see you can you can have that creative side to things. There is right. still special events and these these opportunities to really work outside of the box. And so that's what drew me to it. And you know, as job opportunities opened up, I started I said, I'm going to give this a shot. Because it really gave me the chance to get back to what I had done since I was a teenager, working with youth, working with those that are are disadvantaged or don't have financial means to take part in high-end private activities is really get in this public sector and start working. And since then, it's just, I've gone in a multitude of different directions. So even within recreation, there's all different directions you can take it. I've had, I've been lucky enough to have experiences in a lot of different areas. And so since then, it's just been Kind of how we started one door after another seemed to open up and definitely not a path that I ever saw coming. Right. Okay. Love it. So you've spent, um, you, you know, you, you're, you're in a new position and we're, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but I, you, you spent six years in Cupertino and then almost six years in, in Healdsburg. Um, so I wonder if we will, we'll start with Cupertino. Um, when you, when you look back at your time there, and that was you know the bulk of 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 your time gaining experience in municipal recreation, what uh, what was the what was the what do you think is the one takeaway? Um, and obviously, it's hard to boil down six years to to one takeaway. But what 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 key takeaway do you think you got from that position? Yeah, I had a a supervisor early on who shared with me. And when I first started, I was kind of in your more traditional recreation, doing youth programs, teen programs, summer camps, what you think of when you hear parks and recreation. Um, she she gave me the advice of, you know, if there's opportunities when something comes up, even if you haven't done it before, even if it makes you, it seems uncomfortable to jump into a new area, take that whenever you can. Um, and so I started to do that in Cupertino as, you know, colleagues would shift around or take other jobs, there would be openings. And so I, I had a chance to shift from youth and teen recreation, did aquatics for a little bit, but then shifted over. We had a, a nature preserve out there. So I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn outdoor education, environmental education. I, I didn't know much about that other than my time backpacking and camping as a kid, but I didn't know anything about environmental education. And so shifted over there, got to work out at a nature preserve for a few years, was leading creek tours, went and went back to UC Santa Cruz to get a certificate program to become a certified California naturalist, really dove headfirst into learning that side of things. And as I continued to do that, as different opportunities opened, it just really broadened what my experience level was. And, and that was probably my biggest takeaway from Cupertino is just, if there's an opportunity to do something that you've never done before, take it. Love it. Love it. That's a great advice. Great advice. All right. So tell me about, I, I'm going to, um, we're going to shift gears a little bit with it, with Healdsburg, um, because I want you to tell me about Healdsburg. I, I hear so much about it and it sounds like a really cool little town. Is it? Healdsburg is great. And yeah, that I, I, 
I think that is probably, like I said, where I probably focus the most of how I've, you know, carved myself into a recreation professional because that, that really, first of all, Healdsburg is a great town. It's for those that don't know, it's, you know, 70 miles North of San Francisco or in Sonoma County in the heart of, in the heart of wine country. Mm. Um, and that's what it's known for. But when you get into know the town, it's just a very tight knit community, a lot of long time. There's a lot of history there, mm. tons of community members that work closely to get. I, I, I loved everything about Healdsburg. And so mm. we may get there. But when I left Healdsburg it was certainly not me getting away from there. It was just an opportunity that came. But right. we went through I was there for about five and a half years and we had some some pretty big moments that happened. A lot of it out of our control. We, we dealt with two wildfires, floods few different incidents. And so that really just brought us together as a recreation team, our our whole division, but also just really closely connected with the community. And so there we were, we were dubbed community services rather than parks and recreation. And what we really tried to do was embrace that title is not just Mm. we're, we're more than your parks and recreation, but we want to be an integral part of the community. So we really took that and, uh, and ran with it. Well, yeah, I wonder if you can touch on that, Dave, because I, I was really, you know, I was really struck by a couple of the um, a couple of the municipal recreation folks that I've talked to since the pandemic hit and, and them talking about the impact that they had in their communities and and um, this feeling of rallying for their community and for their community members. And it like choked me up hearing them talk about it. And, um, and so, you know, you just talked about uh, wildfire wildfires and natural disasters, but, you know, during your time with Hillsburg, you also had a global pandemic. Um, so I wonder if you can talk about that, that element and, um, you know, whether you had me in one Oh one or not, I don't know whether we talked about this, but, um, but I, 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 I always try to make a, a point that, um, we we in, in in municipal recreation they're they're often viewed as non-essential services and one of the things that i think has been a game changer for parks and recreation community services whatever you want to label it is that shifting of the mindset to recognize that we are essential services. And um, so I wonder if you can touch on that and touch on how you all rallied um, rallied along those lines to 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 help your your fellow residents um, uh, come together during these uh, these terrible times. Yeah, it was it was definitely a strange couple of years. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, you know, as, as so many other people had to do is just shift their complete mindset and what they're doing on a daily basis at work. And we we definitely did that that in Healdsburg. Is you know, we quickly realized that, you know, things were not gonna be the same. Little did we know it was gonna be two years at that point, but we needed to shift. If we're gonna be part of this community and support the community, it's not gonna be by way of throwing special events and having community programs, but how can we best impact the community? And so it started off with we were, you know. As part of our division, we ran senior services too. So we had a close connection to all of our older adults and seniors. And so it started off with us doing meal deliveries to, to homebound seniors, taking food to them. That that expanded to working with the local food bank where we're doing weekly food distributions and hundreds and hundreds of cars showing up each week to get to get food because they've been impacted. They, you know, in in Everywhere in the world was impacted financially, but specifically there in Healdsburg, we have a lot of people that are in the service industry. So they're either working in agriculture and the wine business, or they're working 
in hotels and restaurants. And so obviously that was incredibly impacted. They lost all of their financial means and so needed this, this support for, for basic needs such as food and, and income. Mm-hmm. And then as the, the pandemic continued along, schools were shut down and we were starting to have conversations with parents and the school district of, you know, these our children in this community are really starting to suffer because they're stuck at home and they're missing out on any socialization. They're on Zoom trying to learn. And so we had a bit of a, I don't know if loophole is the right word, but we had the ability to open up childcare centers because we were deemed an essential service. And so what we mm-hmm. did is took our traditional community center, which we used usually for, you know, Zumba classes and, and sports program after school classes, and we turned it into a distance learning center. And so mm-hmm. allowed students to come to the community center so they could do their distance learning. So they're still on Zoom with their teachers, but we're supervising them in our, our old our community center was an old elementary school. So we we're set up perfectly for this. So they're coming daily. It was a 150 right. kids each day coming in. So parents could return to work and we're supervising them. Um, the biggest issue is our budget at that time. And in, in Healdsburg is almost solely driven by TOT transient occupancy tax. So our budget, we got almost all of our income from, from hotel tax. Yeah, And so our budget had been resu- reduced to to barely anything. So it was, how are we going to provide this, but also pay for it? Mm-hmm. So part of that was reaching out to the community to do fundraising and extremely generous community. Um, people rallied behind us and we were able to raise half a million dollars to send these kids to distance learning care to pay for the staffing and supplies for, for a year of distance learning. So it was, oh, it was extremely wow. rewarding to see, challenging for sure with all of the, you know, especially Anytime there's a potential COVID exposure, all the conversations you have to have with county health and making sure everyone's safe. But yep. in the end, I think very impactful for those kids. Wow. Yeah, just uh, just amazing. And that's the type of those are the type of stories that I think um, of really making a difference in, in your community is just um it's uplifting, and 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 I hope that you know our our current students. Um, I hope some of them will will listen to this and and will say, "Oh wow, I had no idea." And um, um, yeah, it just warms my heart, brings brings tears thinking, uh, what a, what amazing, how amazing that is. And um, and I'm sure you're, I'm sure your uh, your amazing mom, the librarian, is. Uh, I'm sure it brings a smile to her face too, knowing. Uh, knowing that you were were helping and stepping up there for the community. Let's talk about now that that uh that that you've, you've reached the pinnacle if you will, right? Uh so uh for for anyone who's involved in 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 part well, I shouldn't say for anyone. For a lot of people who make um parks and recreation a career, the pinnacle is becoming a director, right? And not everyone wants to get to that position. They don't want they don't necessarily want to be the, the 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 head the head person right but um but others do and um and you at a, a relatively um in a relatively short time period i remember when i was uh i i did some uh i did some research for some parks and recreation um related stuff and and we just discovered in in looking at timelines and that sort of thing, that it's usually about 15 years, usually about 15 years in um, parks and recreation before you get a directorship. And, uh, and if my math is correct, uh, you're, you're right at 12 years there, Dave. So, uh, so uh, an overachiever uh, in in terms of, of, of uh, 
getting to the the pinnacle of being a director. Let's talk about that process. Uh, your 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 thinking along those lines. Um, uh, am I accurate that uh, that some people don't want to uh, ascend to that level? Like, what was your thought process, and how did you end up with the position there as director of uh, Saint Helena? Yeah, you know, sometimes I ask myself that question every day. How the heck did I end up here? But, you know, it's it's an interesting path that I think I would actually probably, you know, a year or two ago, if you would have asked me if this is the position I wanted to be in, I would have fallen in that category of, no, I, I, that's not where I want to be at this point in my mm-hmm. career. You know, I I enjoy, as you probably caught on from some of my stories at Stanford and some of the, the decisions I've made, I enjoy being very hands-on um, you know, I, I do find myself to be analytical. So I like the administrative side of things, but I like to be very engaged on a day-to-day basis. And, mm-hmm. you know, in some of larger organizations, that's what the director position is, is it's very, very administrative. And so at a year ago, I probably would have said, that's not that's not the right move for me. I was very happy with where my position um, in Healdsburg as the rec manager, love the team there. This was a door that was one of those unexpected ones that opened up, you know, my my former director, um, one of my biggest mentors, um, still still call him on a regular basis, especially as I'm feeling myself out as a new director, um, but just to, to to bounce ideas off him. But he's the one that actually put this in front of me. He said, I don't want you to go anywhere, but you should take a look at this one. And I kind of brushed it off like, no, I'm not going to be a director. I'm not ready for that step yet. And the more I looked into it here in St. Helena, and so if you're not familiar with St. Helena, it's a very small community. We're about 6,000 people um, we're in Napa County, just about 15 miles north of of Napa. So again, deep in the heart of of wine country, not too far. I'm only about 30, 40 minutes from from Healdsburg. So it wasn't a huge move, which that was a, a factor in it, right? You don't get too many opportunities where you get to take the next step in your career and don't have to look at uh, relocating or things along those lines. And so the more I looked into it, I realized this was going to be working for a small community, which I loved in Healdsburg. I loved making those connections with community members. I saw that it was going to be a small team. So it was going to be one of those, yeah, I get to wear the the suit and go to city council some days, but other days, like a week ago, we put on our biggest event. I'm going to be strapping on the tennis shoes, moving hay bales, moving barricades, just, just still go. getting my hands dirty, the stuff I love. Right. And so it really was that hybrid model. And that's what really attracted me to it. I love it. I love it. That is great. And, um, you know, we, we talk about that in, um, in, you, you may recall, well, actually maybe you don't recall since you were, you were, uh, 2009. I don't even remember whether I had developed any of the sport management classes by then, but one of the things I talk about, um, with them is that, you know, in, in sport management, you have everything from, uh, three-person athletic departments, right, Um, where you pretty much do everything all the way up to the University of Texas, where there's like thousands of employees and you might be doing a fraction of of what um, uh, of what uh, uh, of the whole big picture. Right. And so um, that obviously applies in in city and municipal recreation as well. And um, and so I I, I love that, that you are able to, to get to get your hands dirty um tell us um tell us why uh the the tv show parks and recreation is uh accurate in some senses um inaccurate in others yeah i, I love the show by the way i'm a uh, huge fan i've seen all the episodes and, and when i worked in when i first 
cut my teeth in recreation, started watching it when I was in Cupertino, which Cupertino is about 60,000 people. We're not a huge city, but a, a bigger organization. I said, you know, this is a funny show, but it's not quite, it's not quite what we do. People would always ask, which one are you? I'm like, no, no, it's not like that. Then I moved, transitioned to Healdsburg, smaller community, <laughs> very similar to the town on the show in some senses. And really, when you get in those community meetings, you start to hear some of the things you hear on that show. And it's yeah. just, it, it would make, you know, we would be so stressed some days and then we'd stop and think, you know, if you step back 10 feet from this and look at it from an outside lens, it is just, it can be comical at times, but when you're in the middle of it, it's yeah. stressful. It's the biggest deal ever. And so, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, the example I use is we had a, an issue with a, we were painting a mural on a, on a fence and the neighbor was upset about it and some people loved it and people came together and. And just the feedback at that meeting, it was like, yeah, this is like a Parks and Recreation episode here. <laughs> well, see, I, I wanted you to address it because I, I've I've asked a couple people this one, and um, and I think some people um, ha- I, I knew that you would be able to 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 I knew you'd be able to I know how sharp you are, Dave. So I knew you'd be able to come up with a with a good answer there. Um, I, I, I my contention is always that um, you know the the issues and and what they deal with on the show that that's real like there there's there's those issues actually do happen in in communities right and in municipal recreation you just don't have like the over the top characters like Aziz and um and uh, Ron Swanson and you know those those folks like that, that's not real right i mean now don't get me wrong people bring their own personalities to the job i'm not trying to say that there's no personalities there's absolutely personalities but they're not over the top personalities like Ron Swanson you know right. <laughs> uh but uh because obviously it was based on something and um and uh yeah i think anybody who's been to a community or a council meeting or, or they 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 realize oh yeah there's uh yeah they they there's some there's some uh truth <laughs> there's some truth to that but um so let's uh let's end with this dave um when you when you look back and you think about your time at Cal Poly when you when you were a college student, um, if you could go back in time and time travel and tell junior year or senior year Dave uh, anything, what do you think you would tell him? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, hindsight's always easier, but you know, of looking course. back, I, I think it would be is, is don't stress so much. You know, it's there is a lot going on, a lot of decisions made. We obviously had deadlines with homework and papers, but you know, focus on the schooling, but it's all right to not have everything figured out when you get the end of your college career. I remember thinking I, I took a bit of the scenic route. So I was a little bit older, but I was 23, 24. And I'm, like, I'm going to be turning 25. I don't know what I'm doing with my career. I'm I'm getting too old to not figure out what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And I think as you've, you've heard from many of your guests on here, a lot of people that, you know, whatever their first job right out of college, for most people, that's not going to be their last job. And it's okay to not know which direction you're going in. And so to have different potential paths forward or not know what the path forward is, that's all right. And, you know, the second piece is, man, enjoy your time there is, you know, take, soak up all the experiences that you possibly can, both, both from academics and socially, you know, take that opportunity to sneak off and go to the beach, to go hiking, to go surfing. 
as busy as we may seem at students at the time, we're never going to have as much time and freedom as we did in college as we move into to adulthood and to into our professional careers. So just just enjoy it. Right. Unless you're a professor. That's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I love it. And uh that that uh that advice is 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 so great. Um now the, we'll we'll end with this one. Um parks and recreation. If you're um uh what advice would you give to someone who listens to this podcast and says, "Wow, Dave really made an impact on me and um I I think I would like to pursue a career in parks and recreation." What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I I would recommend, you know, every community, every city. So no matter where you're living, where you're working, you know, there is a a form of of parks and recreation. Sometimes it's, you know, most cities have it. Sometimes there's a county. Sometimes it's, you know, by way of Boys and Girls Club or YMCA, which I know is more on the nonprofit private side. But there's that that style of work in every single community. So wherever you are, if you have an interest is reach out to them. You know, I'm always impressed when people come to me, even if we don't have necessarily a specific job opening. If they come to me and say, hey, I'm interested in parks and recreation, how can I get involved? And it may start off as volunteering or it may be a part-time job, but be willing to to jump in and try to become part of it, try different things. Mm-hmm. And the other piece that I hope I've, I've, I've shared is that, you know, working for city government, as you mentioned, isn't the sexiest of jobs on paper, but like I mentioned, Parks and Rec is a little bit different and there's different paths down that way. And, you know, we try our best in this world. We put the, put the sexy back in government. Maybe that should go on my, maybe I should go on my business card, but there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Well, Dave, I can't thank you enough. It's so great to, to see you again and, and to, to be connected and um, just really thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Greenman. I, I didn't mention earlier, but just want to thank you. You really were a huge part in in sending me down the path. You know, one of my experiences with you was working on our our my senior project together, where we got to go out and you may recall we we uh, did a project. We were um, analyzing parents' comments at youth sports games, and yeah. so you and I had a chance to go out to sports fields and. Uh, you know, really, really analyze what comments were happening. It was a great experience for me from how to take a research project and put that into real life. Uh, but I also just get a good chuckle out of every time I think about it. I remember you and I were down logging, uh, logging comments, both positive, negative that we're hearing from parents and all the parents in the stands thought you and I were professional scouts. Yeah. And so while we're there trying to be top secret under under radar. They're coming up and talking up their kids saying, did you see how fast he's rolling? And it all fed into the yeah. paper doing, but that was just one of many, uh, many examples I could bring up where you and all the the whole team at, at Cal Poly really set me down the right path. So really, like you said, ready from day one, it really did set me up for success. So thank you. Oh, of course, of course. And uh, like I said at the beginning, you're, uh, you, you know, and people wonder like, well, how can you have so many fav- favorites? I'm like, well, because we keep cycling through students, you know, uh, we've got three quarters every, uh, we, we've got three quarters at Cal Poly, you know, and so we have, we do, we have favorites and, uh, and uh, it's, it's great. And that's a, that's a term of endearment, obviously. We're not trying to just not trying to be uh shallow and say that we have twenty-five thousand favorites, but uh, you know, uh Cal Poly students, um I I 
I every day I pinch myself um, that we got so lucky to land here and um, and to have such amazing students and and to now have such an amazing alumni network and just can't thank you enough. Really appreciate it. Stay in touch. Thanks, Dr. Greenman. See you. Bye.